is the living dead. All right? Not the walking dead. Okay? And I want to make a delineation there. Anybody ever see The Walking Dead? One episode? Commercial of it? Come on, raise your hand. Have you seen The Walking Dead? Raise your hand. It's not a hard question. All right, Walking Dead. You know anything about The Walking Dead? All right. Zombies are like, you know, just part of the fabric of our television culture now, right? All over the place. Anybody here dress up like a zombie for Halloween ever? Be proud of that, okay? No, don't be proud of that. Anybody here ever dress up like a Ninja Turtle? Wow, I got one more hand than I expected on that. Okay, good. (laughs) All right. Zombies are everywhere. Now, the living dead is actually um, the originator, and maybe you know this, Pat, because you're of my era. The Living Dead, The Night of the Living Dead, was a cult classic movie, okay? In fact, do we have that slide flip on my first slide? There you go. This is a scene from The Night of the Living Dead, the original zombie movie back in the day, black and white. So all The Walking Dead is just a, just a take-off, spin-off, cheap substitute for The Night of the Living Dead, cult classic. Um, I can't say that I highly recommend it because it is kind of hokey, but it started the zombie apocalypse as we know it today. The Living Dead. And what you're going to see tonight is I'm going to try to parallel what we are as a church and what we often see in churches as much has much to do with being a zombie than it does with being a resurrected child of God. So as we move through tonight, that's what I kind of want to get the feel for, for tonight. Now, what is a zombie? What is a zombie? Come, somebody tell me what a zombie is. No wrong answers because it's pretty open for interpretation. So what is a zombie? And in walks Andrea. Hi, Andrea. We're just getting started. What is a zombie? What is a zombie? Well, they they well they were alive. Then they were dead. Now they're alive. But are they human? Are they human? Are they human? They were. But are they now? I feel like me and Mark are having a dialogue now. We're. The, What's a zombie? Is it is a zombie? All right. What's and you can Google this. What's the anatomy of a zombie? Who cares, right? They're not human. They're they're literally walking dead, right? And I I don't want Missio Day to be a church that comes off looking like we're alive, but we're really dead on the inside. And that's what Paul's going to speak on tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, verses 11 to 31. What makes us different than a zombie is we have many parts that work together. How many systems do we have in our bodies? How many independent systems? Not independent, but how many, how many systems do we have that actually go in to our healthy well-being as a body. Can, that, can someone name me one system? I'll give you a hint. Circulatory system is one. Can you think of any other systems that we have? I know we have nurses out there. I know we have some people who are biologically minded out there. What's another system? Huh? Neurological, right? All your nerves. Nervous system, right? Endocrine. What's that do? Secrete stuff. Saliva? Is that part? Anyway. Hormones, right. What else do we have? Respiratory, what? Integumentary, which is what? Wait, don't... It's the largest, the largest system that we have, isn't it? Or the largest organ that we have, which is what? Without it, we look really gross. It's our skin, right? Right? Okay, good. What other systems do we have? Cardiovascular, circulatory. Isn't that circulatory system? How about the pulmonary system that we breathe? Yeah, digestive system. Man, do I know my stuff or what? It's almost like I studied this today. It's almost like I Googled it. Right. You know, we have a lot of things that go in to make up our bodies. 
And tonight I want to take a look at what if one of them doesn't work? What if one of them shuts down? What if one of our parts, one of our body parts, goes missing? What if it goes, uh, what, if, what if it just goes haywire and needs to be removed? What happens to us? How do we respond? That's what Paul's going to be talking about tonight, okay? Um, I do, I, I, and where I want to parallel this is I want us to understand what it means to be a church and how we function, what it looks like to actually work together, what these different systems in the church look like so that we can present ourselves a healthy church to, first off, each other from within, but secondly, to the world around us. As we interact through events in Glassboro, as we go to work, as we have um, time with our families, we want to look like healthy church, not zombies, not going through the motion, not dragging one foot behind us. So Paul is entering this discussion with the Corinthians, but it carries over into modern-day American church. It carries over into Missio Dei church. You see, disembodied Christians, zombie Christians, Christians who go through the motions, give the world a great concern, because there's really no difference. Churches with disembodied Christians give the world excuses to be ignored. At best, they can ignore us. At worst, they call us hypocrites, don't they? Now, I know we're all hypocrites. We all fall short of what God, God calls us to do, but but a healthy church actually embraces it and understands it and moves forward. So either one of those choices is really not acceptable, um, that the world could ignore us and think we're commonplace, or that the world would call us hypocrites. Neither of those choices are acceptable to me that I would like Monsieur Day to be known as. Now, what's going to make the differences? What is going to make the difference is you, child of God, you, um, person who attaches yourself at, at this local expression of God's church called Missio Day, you are actually important to the health of God's church. The function of the church actually ties back to creation. That's what Paul's doing. He's saying, look how wonderful the body is made. Okay? Who made the, bo- who made the first body? How did that come about? Adam, Right? Reaching back in time, Paul reaches back in time as he describes what this church that, that, that is, is made up of body parts looks like. So he's actually extending the creation story to the church. Now I also want to give a little bit of framework for this. Um, the, in the first century church, the body was not something that was not unknown. Okay, In fact, even in the Old Testament, it makes, it makes reference to um, to a lot of internal body parts that you don't really recognize. Okay, um, Sometimes in the Old Testament, um, it, it tells of emotions that go not to the heart, but to the stomach. To, to, uh, the literal, literal translations would be to the kidneys. Okay? Um, they, knew, they knew body functions. They knew anatomy. They might not know it like we know it now, that's for sure. They had no electron microscopes back then that I know of. In recorded history, we don't find any anyway. All right? So we do know the body much better, but they knew it very, very well. They knew that if a body part, even internally, shut down, that there would be problems. So I don't want want you to think that Paul is ignorant when he talks about how a body works. He's not guessing at it. It's known. Okay? And may, while it may not be known in intricacies like we know it today, and to the cellular level, it definitely was known in the system level, and it was definitely known in the organ level what certain things did. Before we move on to the scripture, and we're going to read it in a second, I want to define some words for you. So that as we move through, you know what it means, okay? That makes, kind of makes sense to define what we're talking about. First is the word Christian. I don't want anybody in here tonight to leave and not, not understand what I mean when I say Christian, okay? What I mean by Christian is this. It's twofold, so hear it, okay? When I, when I say Christian, I mean this. One who does what the Scriptures say, including the object of your faith being Jesus Christ. It's twofold. 
It's believing in Jesus Christ, but doing what he says. Okay? It's believing that Jesus Christ is who he says he is in the scriptures and then doing what we're called to do, doing what he says to do. Does that make sense? Now, what I just did was I just, I just kind of redefined what Christian is by, for, for a lot of people. It is not believing in Jesus Christ, period. I expanded it, didn't I? And I'm well within the biblical realms to do that. Your faith is placed in Jesus Christ as a Christian, but it does not end there, does it? Scripture does not allow your faith to end there. Your faith is expressed by following and doing what Christ says. Or, if that does not take place, if the following and obedience does not take place, what does it say about your original intent of your belief? It's unfounded. The two go hand in hand. When I say Christian, I mean one who does what the Scriptures say, and your object of your faith is Jesus Christ. Two, in this passage, you're going to hear the word members. Now, when we think of members, are you anybody here a member of something? What are you a member of? Not in this year day church. And what else? What are you a member of? Triple A. All right. Triple A. All right. Okay. Nursing union. All right. Good. Josiah? Teachers Association. What else? Gym membership. Gym membership. Woo! I need one of those. All right? And then I need to do it. Okay. All right. And when we think members, we think that you've joined something. But actually, this word that we're going to read tonight in 1 Corinthians 12, it, the word members actually can be literally translated trans, as body parts. Okay? And, and it's almost, it gives a really relevant discussion and when we read through it tonight, when we come to the word members, I'm going to read body parts, okay? Now, it might be, I don't know, it may, there, it may be uncomfortable, but that's actually what it means. Um, and second, when you see the word body in this passage, what it means is it means the church. And specifically, I'm going to narrow it down tonight to the local church, because there's two types of churches that are mentioned in the Scripture. They're one and the same. One describes the church universal. Everywhere, every when. All believers are part of the body of Christ, part of the church universal. But Paul here is addressing the Corinthians, and he narrows it down, and he says, listen, you Corinthians are part of the body, and this is how it works. So this word body, when you see it, think local church, think local connection, think personal involvement, okay? A little bit of background. The audience of 1 Corinthians uh, 1 Corinthians was written to who? Believers where? In Corinth, okay? That's a no-brainer. Um, these, these believers in Corinth were messed up. We, we've gone through 11 chapters of various things. We've gone through disunity. We've gone through favoritism. We've gone through sexual immorality. We've gone through honoring those who are committing sexual immorality. We've talked about selfishness. We've talked also um, and nipped at the individualistic interpretation of God's Word to make it fit what I want it to fit. <coughs> We've talked about these things. Oh, and by the way, I just want to retract to sexual immorality. I defined it last time I spoke. Sexual immorality is having sex with someone who isn't your spouse. Okay? So I just want to make sure that's clear so we can let that hang out there. It's serious stuff. So that's the Corinth church that Paul's speaking to. Now, take out your scriptures. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to read through 11 to 31. We're going to read it in its entirety. Okay? If anyone doesn't have it, we have Bibles somewhere that we can hand it to you. Everybody have it? I don't have it. All right, here we go. Verse 11, and Justin actually ended up with this last week. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many 
body parts, and all the body parts of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one body part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make no sense. And, oh wait a minute, so I mean, that, would, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the body parts in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single body part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that, that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts don't require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the body parts may have the same care for one another. And if one body part suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually body parts of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And all, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still more, a still more excellent way. All right, that's the entirety of the scriptures. Now we're going to break it down, okay? The main point of this passage is God has designed his church to function with you, with you, you. Not me, not any organization within the church. God has designed the function of the church with you in mind. This is a personal extension to you. Had I say you enough? Because what I meant to say is the church is designed to function with you. It's an integral part. You are an integral part of the health of this. It's personal. This is personal. So absorb what Paul says and internalize it personally if you are a Christian. Now the consequences of this passage, it's only when you, when you participate, does the entire body thrive. And when you don't, it suffers. That's the... That's the that's the end of the equation that Paul draws, okay? So at the end of this discussion, we're going to go through some points. Hopefully, it's a little different for you this time than the last time I taught it through. But at the end of the day, you function well, we prosper, and we function as God intended. You don't function well, we suffer, okay? That's the bottom line. And that puts pressure on all of us. So we are all equally in the pressure cooker on this. Okay. Now we read the scriptures. Usually I end up with excuses why we don't attach ourselves to the body of Christ. But I'm going to start with that to throw us off a little bit. These aren't on the slide. Are we on? What slide are we on, Flip? Are we on? One, two, three, three. Okay, good. We're good. Excuses why I don't attach myself the church. See if any of these kind of ring true in your life. 
Maybe they're not where you are now. Maybe they're where you're headed or where you've been. But let's, let me just throw them out there. And if there's one that kind of rings true in your heart, hold that and filter through this passage and these points with that excuse in mind. One, I want to be part of something important. But I don't see the church as really that important in my life right now. I'm tired of doing so much in the church while others do little to nothing of importance. I'm burned out, so I need to back off. I'm new at this church thing, and I need some, I need some time to figure this stuff out. I'm hurt by what so-and-so did or said, and I need to back off for a while. See the head thing? I have to get my act together before I commit to God's church. I've never heard of this teaching before, so I don't even want to engage until I know what's going on. This sounds really intrusive into my life right now. Logan attached himself to that one. How about this one? God is calling me to focus on, and fill in the blank right now, God is calling me to focus on this right now. I'll do the church engagement stuff after he moves me on from this important thing. I like MD just the way it is. Others seem to be getting the stuff done better than I could ever do. I need time to heal from blank before God would call me to serve him. And then lastly, I don't give a rip what this passage says. Stick it in your ear, John. I just wanted to put that out there as an option. It's viable option, is it not? Okay. Where this passage falls is important because um, oftentimes as we exegetically go through a book, we kind of pull out the different things. But Corinthians has a flow, and, and hopefully you're feeling that. Um, I mentioned all of those things that the Corinthians were that we bumped into, but chapter 11 actually starts off this kind of discussion about how the church works, and it starts off in chapter 11 with the passage that talks about how communion is done, because if you think back to that when Justin taught that, it actually is about the body of Christ, and, and, and Paul says this phrase that, you know what, anybody who partakes of these elements in a way that doesn't consider the body, I mean, we talked about that. And, and, and coming out of that, we actually are seeing um, a discussion on the body. Last week, in the beginning of, cha- of chapter 12, Justin talked about the spiritual gifts. Weird, wacky, it's one of the weirdest, wackiest discussions in the Christian um, circle of, of what church is, because the gifts are empowered and divvied up by the Spirit of God. Anybody, has anybody seen the Spirit of God? <clears throat> no, it's ethereal. It is metaphysical. It is out there, right? And as such, we as humans in the concrete world um, associate it to be out there. It's hard to nail, nail down. So the discussion of spiritual gifts actually is really important, but Paul is now making it concrete. How do those spiritual gifts, God gives you a gift, his spirit gives it to you for the function, for the benefit, for the health, for the maturing and growing of the church. But how does it work? Okay, I've got this gift. What do I do with it? Let's see how it fits together, okay? And that's what the, chap- that's what the, the passage we are in now is, is about. Now, what lies ahead, okay, is an even better way that we can enter into using our gifts. Paul goes through the gifts in the early part of chapter 12. He's telling us how it fits and interlocks and overlaps and complements for a healthy body. And then he's going to show us next chapter an even better way we can assimilate our gifts into the body. And then in chapter 14, he's going to give some practical help, and he's going to pull out one specific gift and really hone in on it and and pick it apart. So there's actually a flow and a logic to 1 Corinthians that you don't see if you're just going to do snippets. So we're flowing through this now, and tonight's section is, what do you do, Christian? What do you do with the local extension of the church? What do you do with your gift? 
what or gifts? What do you do with the extension of your ministry? How does it work? What are the ramifications for it? That's 1 Corinthians 12, verses 11 to 31. Now, in verses 12 and 13, we see oneness. We see, we see that where there's one spirit, we're, we're in this together, and we're all in this together because the Holy Spirit has kind of lassoed our hearts, pulled us all in together, and here we are. So I don't want to focus on, on, on verses 12 and 13. I want to pick it up with the next slide in chapters, uh, verses 14 through 16. Man, my throat is really killing me tonight. I apologize. Verse 14 says this, For the body does not consist of one body part, but of many. That makes sense, right? We saw the video, little video before we started here about how intricate the cell is, how many cells there are, 10,000 of them can fit on the pin of a head. 500 quadrillion, thank you, 500 quadrillion chemical reactions in your body. What, a second or a minute? I forget what it was. This may not be good. This is going to end up on somebody. It's in my hand right now. I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, so, so we see the intricacies. Now, we're made up of a lot of different parts, right? All right. Anybody think about your spleen today? Jeff did. Jeff, thank you. All right. Okay? But it's there, and it's there to hold stuff together, and it does certain stuff I don't even know about. But we don't think about this. So, so let's dive in. Um, so, so, verse 14, the body, we're not, we're, we agree. There's many body parts. Now, the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. And that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Now, here's my practical application to you. Because you're missing an action, because you were busy and now you're not anymore, because you think life changes, therefore the, th- the thing in your time economy that won't work anymore is church, and you unplug it, all right? The hurt feelings you may have because so-and-so did so-and-so, and now you don't think you can function and minister in the church anymore, that component that you unplug, it doesn't mean you're less of a body part. It doesn't mean you're less important. What it actually means is you need to consider plugging back in and working through whatever the issue is. All right, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So if you go missing, what does that, how does that hurt the body? Somebody needs to come after you. Is that our job, to come after you? Is it? It is. But is there a better way of doing things than chasing you down? Yes, there is. All right? So you kind of see how it's starting to work. Just because you're not here for whatever reasons you deem important doesn't mean it's my fault. It may mean that I have consequences, thank you, to come and get you and help you and bring you back. But if we take heed to this scripture, we wouldn't do it in the first place. Verses 16 and 17. Oneness of purpose does not mean sameness in design. Oneness of purpose. We're all, okay, so we're all in this together, okay? MD. You're my brothers, you're my sisters. I love you, you love me, and we're, we're going at it, right? And you become more important than me. You're in the limelight. People are looking to you. They're following you. And all I'm doing is sweeping up after the chairs are put away. You're way more important than me. You are. What do I do with that? Just because, just because you function differently and God uses you differently doesn't mean that our entire unity is, is out of whack. It means we're doing it right. Oneness and purpose We're going the same direction. We have a mission to reach into Glassboro. We want to be the light to darkness. 
We want to be, be to our family, Jesus Christ, because we recognize they're eternal, and they're going to be eternal with us in heaven, or they're going to be eternal away from us, not in heaven. We have the same purpose, but we are designed differently. So jealousy of another's designated function is actually a cancer to the body. And we are all familiar with cancer. So let me read verses, verses uh, 16 and 17. They say this, And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make it... Oh, let me get on here. If the whole body were an eye, in verse 17, where would the sense of hearing be? Or, or the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the body parts. Each one of them as he chose. Each one of them as he chose. The next slide is, is verses 18 19, encompasses. So think with me here. We're trying to become a church, and we are succeeding in many, many ways. I'm very encouraged with it. But we're trying to become a church that is visible in the community, that is helpful to Glassboro, that, that we want to be known uh, as the light that is represented in the Scriptures, right? We want to do that. We want to do that individually in our lives. We want to do it collectively at Missio Day. So as we look at a church, we have to recognize that the people who are committed, the people who say, I want to be a member, the, pe- the deacons that want to pour yourselves out in service, you who attend faithfully, who are moving toward Jesus Christ and understanding his ways more and more and desiring to follow him, we have to understand that God is the one who works to put you together for his benefit inside his church. That's pretty profound because now none of us really can come to the table and say, I got my act together because that assumes it's your act and you are responsible to put it together. All right, so so hear me out on this. Why are you sitting here today? What brought you to a point where you would make tonight, this moment, Missio Day Church, more important than something else in your life? How did that happen? I chose to do it. What worked in your heart to put yourself here, to put your rear end in this hard folding chair tonight to hear me, who is not really a good speaker, I admit it, I am what I am, okay? What brought you to that point? What was working behind you? I know many of you, and and left to yourselves, you would not be here, right? So something is working. What is it? It's the spirit of oneness. It's the spirit Spirit of God that has changed you and molded you and made you be drawn to this moment. And he's arranging this church and putting the pieces together. And those pieces are staring at me right now. You are the pieces of Missio Dei Church. And you've been put together by God And you have been chosen by him. Now, some of you in here probably don't like me. I'm not your favorite guy. I probably do things that irritate you. (laughs) I probably, if you get to know me well enough, will... (laughs) You won't like me in certain ways. I know that. I understand that. And vice versa, right? All right? I, I'm, no, I'm not an angel. And listen, I know you're not either. I know what the scriptures say about our hearts. I know how, how awful our hearts can be and, and, and how intricate we are and how, how we wander. Okay? But still, 
I find great hope and encouragement in the fact that God is building his church. He's building us, and he's placing us here, and it has a purpose, all right, that goes beyond my individuality, and together we can share in purpose and function. And God's arranging it, and he's doing it how he chooses. Now, if we were going to start a church, think about this. We're going to start a church, all of us together. We're getting together. We're sitting down and we're saying, all right, to to take the next step, who do we need to be here in this church to take the next step that would plunge us into church fame, that history books would, would be written about us as a church movement? Who would we pick? Who would we pick? Besides Jesus, that's the Sunday school answer, Justin. Now, who would we pick? We could pick somebody. You know what we need? This, talking about the body, we got lots of nurses in here. We need a doctor, right? Because a doctor has what? Money, right? And then we also are going to, we're going to need some mature businessmen because they have good strategic planning sense, right? They've done businesses. Some have failed. They've learned through it. They've got their financial house in order, and they would know how to, t- to talk to us about finance. So we, we should get a doctor who has money and can finance and put stuff in the pipeline for us. We could have banners and signs. We could get a building that's ours, okay? And then we could have a strategic plan because we have these guys that know what they're, these guys and women that know what they're doing. Call it myself. Okay. All right, and, and we know, and they can guide us through a strategic plan, and then we could get the stuff done, and then, wait a minute, is that how it works? Look around you. you those of you who've been here for a while, and you know each other, you're starting to irritate each other, and I'm starting to irritate you because we know each other so well, and we know our foibles and faults, and we're starting to call each other out on certain things, and we want each other to look more like Jesus Christ. All right, so it's getting hard, right? Would you choose you to start a church? Really, seriously, would you? Because I know how jacked up you are, and you, and you know how jacked up I am. See, that's testimony to the fact that the Spirit works in our hearts. Okay? And God has chosen this group, just like He's chosen other local est- extensions of His church all around us, to work together in oneness, to function as one purpose. Okay? So God put us together just as he chose. In verse 21 to 26, we see, um, we see some of the ramifications when things are unplugged, when body parts don't function well. Now, I, I want to just, through means of illustration, um, let me just read verses 21 through 26. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. (coughs) And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor, and our unrepresentable parts are treated with uh, greater modesty, which our more um, presentable parts don't require But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. But let me read that again. So that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Exclusion, your exclusion from the body, Christian, when you unplug, when you don't deem yourself as important enough to be part of the function of the church, those excuses that we gave, and there's more, when those become predominant and you don't function using your giftedness, led by the Spirit, chosen by God, placed uniquely in the church, we all suffer. Exclusion, in this passage, exclusion leads to division, which leads 
to neglect. And the neglect leads to suffering. There's a natural extension when you, and I say you, and I mean me too, when you detach yourself, the body falters. If one member suffers, we all suffer. And when one member is honored, we all tag along. Somebody tell me what a limp is. What is a limp? What is a limp? Say again. It's your body compensating for pain, for loss. Something's not working right, right? I mean, we can all limp. And you think of The Walking Dead. Every zombie has a limp, right? There's no, you ever see a zombie running, you know? No, every, they're all limping, right? They're all compensating for something. Why? What is that something? All right? A limp, when you're dragging a leg or you're favoring a side or something like that, something's wrong. It could be bone. Could be a bot, it could be a toe is missing. Did anybody read the article I posted? No? Mike, you did, I know. It's two people. I posted an article about what it means to lose your big toe. And it was very interesting. Um, it was just a blog. It wasn't anything really special. Um, and it's on Missy O'Day Public Group. If you'd like to go see it, you can, you can read it. But what was really interesting, and I don't know if you guys that read it picked it up, but just about every part of your body and even your personality and your emotions were part of, were, were affected by the fact that your big toe was missing. If you had to have your big toe cut off or it got cut off accidentally, and I know a guy who lost toes on one of my mowing crews years and years ago, all right, so it's not without the realm of possibility. You lose your big toe, some things happen. Okay, do you think you'll walk with a limp for a little bit if you lose your big toe? How about this? How about retraining your whole body because your big toe actually is the last toe to leave the ground when you walk. It actually, 40% of your body weight is on that toe before, you, before your other foot moves forward. Okay, so you don't think about that, but you remove that big toe and now who takes over its place? Who takes over that job? The next toe over. Is the next toe over designed to do that? No way. Take your shoes off and look at your big toe. Tell me why it's called the big toe. Does anybody know why it's called the big toe? Because it's a big toe. Okay? The next toe over is not that big. But now it has to compensate for the fact that its big brother is going missing. All right? So now the whole foot has to change its dynamics. Guess what happens? Your metatarsals start to move around. You, things start happening with the bone structure in your feet. Okay? And now you have some more problems because now your foot has to adjust. Guess what your foot's attached to? Is the old foot, your, what, your hip bone's connected to your... No. All right? Talk about an old song. Now the ankle shifts. Now your knee shifts and your hip and your back and now you're limping, all right? But not just that, the, the little blog ended with this. You know what? When people lose part of their bodies, it affects our psyche, it affects our emotions, it, it, it makes us feel mortal, and there are real emotional things attached to the, to the loss of your body part. Now. I have a friend who's a tree surgeon. Uh-oh, where did we put this, Josiah? And I worked for him for a little bit, and he showed me some pictures of radical, I'm going to put this, of radical amputations because of this, right here. All right, so it's not that loud. It's electric. I didn't get a gas-powered one, all right? All right, a chainsaw. A chainsaw produces a radical amputation. That is not pretty. Am I making you nervous, sweetie? Am I? Okay, you should be. I'm a sick man. Look at my hands. <laughs> All right, radical amputation. Chainsaws, it's not good. It is not a good thing. We were watching a show the other night called, uh, what was it called? Mer Mercy Street? Is that what it was? Mercy Street. Okay. Hold on a second. Safety first, I unplugged it. Now, Mercy Street had, had, a, had radical amputations of a different nature. The setting is, uh, war, uh, it's not World War, 
been too many World War II documentaries lately. Civil War, okay? Um, it's in, uh, I forget what town it's in. It's in uh, down south, Charlotte, something like that, where the Union soldiers come in. They have a hospital that they take over uh, a, a hotel, all right? And the doctors are performing all kinds of surgeries. And what they're using are things like this for their radical amputations, okay? This is what they're using to cut off the big toes, to cut off the legs. Actually, the guy had a saw in his hand, too. And in the background, you can see him going on the guy's leg. Now, tell me these body parts that go missing because of radical amputations don't affect the body. So what's it have to do with us and... uh, what does it have to do with us at Missio Day? First off, there are body parts that need to be removed. We know that physically. Um, we, know, we know that uh, gangrene can set in. And I just want to make a spiritual parallel. I do not want Missio Day to have body parts going missing because of spiritual decay, because you got off track, because you chose to do the things the Corinthians love to do. I don't want to have to come get you. I don't want anyone else in here to have to come get me. And I don't want you to have to come get me. So let's heed this passage, please. No radical amputations. But a radical amputation um, is necessary. Gangrene can set in and it needs to go and you cut the limb off, right? Okay? You damage your foot to the extent you, you get cut with a chainsaw and, and, and half of your leg is gone alright what happens the blood can't flow to it and it needs to go what's the spiritual application when we choose to walk away from the church of God we stop letting his blood flow through us and don't Don't be surprised when you're amputated. Let the blood of Christ flow through Monsieur Day through you and stay healthy. All right? There's just a little parallel. That's what Paul's trying to bring out. He's trying to say this body idea is is important. You know, the removal of atrophied body parts happens because the blood stops flowing through that part. Let's keep the blood of Christ predominant in our lives. Let's keep it on the forefront of us as we try to minister alongside of each other and for each other. Slide number six. We'll go, we'll do this. Uh, Verses 27 to 31 um, is the form and the function of the body. Okay, and I just want to, I'm going to try to wrap this slide up pretty quick. Um, How does... um, See if I can punch through this a little faster than my notes. The, the idea with this, let me just read it and then we'll, we'll dive in. Now, now, you are the body of Christ, verse 27, and individually body parts of it. Not in dispute, we got it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, then prophets, then teachers, and miracles. And it starts listing these things. Gifts of healing, helping, administrating, um, various kinds of tongues, interpretations of tongues, all. And then it starts asking, are all apostles? And what's the answer? To the church back then, were all, were every, was everybody an apostle? No, especially at the Corinthian church. Um, were, all, were all prophets? No. Were all teachers? No. Did, all, did everyone have the gift of miracles? No. The, so there's a list here, and the obvious answers are no. But verse 31 says this, but, but really do earnestly desire the higher gifts. It, desire the gift that God has given you and fit it in with the body. And then he ends with this, and I'm going to show you a still more excellent way. That's for next week. What's the more excellent way? The next slide. How is MD like the living dead? How, can, how are we zombie-like? I'm going to say it this way. When you choose yourself over Christ and his clear purposes. You know, one of the excuses, and I'll go back there. I'll just, I'm just going to, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to keep it real. 
we are a pretty tight family. I wanted to throw this one out here. God is calling me to focus on blank right now. God is calling me to focus on this thing in my life right now. Therefore, I can't minister in the church. What is that thing? What is the thing getting in your way of attaching yourself with your gift, being used by God at Missio Day in ways that are healthy and make this body grow? What's the thing in your way? I'm working on my career. I'm getting my career lined up. Because when I get my career lined up, I'm going to be the doctor with the money. And then I'm going to start pumping money at Missio Day. You're going to have a place, and you're not going to have to set up curtains and chairs and sound. Huh? What do you do in the meantime? God's calling me to focus on my relationship right now. Not, and, and, and I don't mean to downplay that. It's important. But you're going to get the gist of this as we go through things. God is calling me to get my house <coughs> repaired and fixed in order before I can really enter into it. God is God wants me to help my boys raise their grandchildren. You know I love my grandchildren. But does it get in the way? What are you focused on right now that's just gonna that's in the way? Because this passage, this passage allows for nothing other than the fact that you've been gifted by the Spirit of God. You have been placed in the body according to God's purpose. There is no other room for wiggling out of this. None. If you can show it to me, I would love to know it because then I could manipulate it and get off the hook and leave you guys alone So you can do what you want and you can leave me alone and I'll do what I want. But as I see the scriptures, we're all in this together if we are truly his children. Does that make sense? Okay. Unfortunately, yes, Jesse. Unfortunately, that is what the scriptures say. We can look like a zombie when we choose ourselves and we start to make excuses for not attaching ourselves to the church that Jesus Christ died for. Here's another way. When you get lost in what you are doing and forget you have an eternal purpose, an eternal purpose, why do we do what we do? Why do I want to be in that relationship with that person as a Christian, as a person who does what the Scriptures say, and Jesus Christ is the object of my faith, Why do I like that person? What's God got to do with it? Why do I want to live in that house, in that location, for what purpose? Why do I want that career? Why do I want to sacrifice myself now to get set up to do that in the future? All of those things are good. All of those things are devoid of eternal purpose. But when you start to say, I am a child of the living God, I will live forever, therefore the forever is more important to me than the here and now. Now I'm going to filter things differently. I'm in that relationship to please me, or I'm in that relationship to please my eternal God. I want to fix up this house for me, I want to fix up this house for the purpose of serving my eternal God. I want to come to Missio Day because I like the social aspects. It helps me cope. Or I come to Missio Day because I'm gifted. Christ died for me. I am his child. And I can pour myself out at Missio Day and serve my living God. Do you see how eternity comes in and affects everything? And eternity starts in the hearts of men believing in Jesus Christ and following him. Here's another thing. When you look at one thing at church but are seen as something else to others who are not in the church, 
What I see right now, I see people coming and serving and smiling and everything like that. But you know what? Let me tag around with you Tuesday morning. Let's get Monday out of the way because Mondays are just bad to begin with. Let me see what you're really like on Tuesday. How you doing? Can I tag along with you on a date? How we doing there? Can I see how swept away you are in this area of your life or in that area of your life? Anybody want to tag with me tomorrow? Tomorrow, first day at a new job. Make sure I get it right. I don't think the boss would like that. Give me till Tuesday, all right? But just, you kind of understand, right? What do you look like here? I care about. I love to see you. I want more people to come and hear the Word of God and respond to it. But you know what? If you don't look the same tomorrow to grandmom, to mom, to brother, to sister, to coworker, to friend, you're still missing the point. And you're a zombie. How about this? When temporal things supplant eternal identity in Christ. That's a deep subject. When temporal things supplant eternal identity in Christ. What do I mean by that? The things here and now have an end. Right? True? This chair will decompose. Given enough time, that chair will be no more. Okay? Now, when we have an eternal perspective, we understand that all of this stuff we're in is temporary. But if we get caught up in it, we become zombies, and we respond to that, and we just want more and more, and we're going to feed ourselves on this level. No, let's get out of this level. If Jesus is who he says he is, if the word describes where we are going for eternity, and it's true, then we respond differently now. And we don't look like zombies. We don't check off boxes. We don't go through the motions. We don't not change. We don't not grow. We don't not disassociate ourselves. A lot of double negatives there. You've got to switch it around in your mind, I know. All right? So what's it look like? The right way. We are not the living dead. We are not people who were alive and then died and then came back as the same thing with no organs inside. We did not get a virus and change into something else. That is not what the Christian um, story is. That is not the story of Jesus Christ, is it? We are not the living dead. We are the dead made alive. We are resurrected beings. We are not like we were before. We are dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. That's Romans, right? All right? We were, we were dead, and God made us alive. And that alive is not zombie. That alive is with gifts. That alive is with joy. That, is, that alive is the potential of being everything Adam was in the garden as Jesus Christ works on us. So let's not be zombies. Let's be children of the living God who are resurrected to life in the right way. That's what we should be at Missio Day. That's what this passage is talking about. So let's not be sexually immoral. Let's not be disunified. Let's not be all about ourselves. All right? Let's not interpret the scriptures the way we want to manipulate it so we can have lives that we can do whatever we, we, we darn well want. All right? Let's not do those things. But let's be children of the living God. Let's walk as living beings with hope in us. And let's deliver that hope to each other. And let's deliver that hope outside these walls tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the leader of zombies. He didn't say that. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man comes to the Father except by me. I was dead in my sin, but thanks be to God, I am raised in newness of life. I'm done teaching tonight. I don't have much of a respond thing because I don't do that like Justin does. But I want to encourage you to understand. If you've been distancing yourself from church, we've gone through some excuses, and I basically 
I basically radically amputated them, you have no excuse. <laughs> Andrea, wants, Andrea wants to use this thing. I can just go, all right? You don't have excuses. Neither do I. So let's get down to business and, and serve here at Missio, Church, Missio Day Church. To serve as we leave here, we represent Jesus Christ as part of his global church. And your, the orchestra can, the orchestra, oh my gosh. The worship team can come up. I think we have one song that we can be dismissed on. All right. So why don't we stand up? And I'm going to pray for you. Here's what I want to do. We love to talk afterwards, don't we? We do. I love that time. It's connecting time. It's connecting points. All right. Tonight, as we leave, let's talk about some ways where we disassociate ourselves from serving God fully in our lives. Ooh, ouch. What did I just do? All right, I just gave you a topic. How are we not serving like we want? And can we confess it to each other? Can we ask for prayer? And can we hold each other accountable? Let's do that while we chit-chat. That's a great discussion to have. So let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for...